It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comms editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. Rick Broing of Musketeer Report and from the NKU TV Network One Brady Labor. Um, we're not going to get into Luke Fick on this podcast, but we did talk extensively on the Sports Authority on Local 12. You can find that at local12.com as well. Um, and because it's so darn fluid, by the time this podcast comes up, we may have a decision one way or the other. So we'll just leave it at that. I think we'll have a decision Monday. Yeah. So, so. by the time this comes out, it'll be... Monday. Monday. So there we go. No use in talking so about it. So there we go. But you can you can catch all our opinion uh, on, on that uh, from the Sports Authority on Sunday night. All right, let's, let's talk college basketball. Let's start with the most recent, and that's the UC Bearcats going to UConn, losing in overtime by one, a game in which Jaron Cumberland was one of 11 from the floor. Um, I, I'll start with this. I get riding your horse to the finish. I do. I mean, I, I get it. But when it's not your day, sometimes it's just not, not your, your day. day. And in that regard... Do you have any questions about John Brandon going through him for literally every key play down the stretch? Who else were they going to go to that you trust in that? And, and Trayvon Scott was pretty good today. Trayvon was very good today, but are, are you you're putting the ball in his hands? I don't know, but I'm maybe just running regular action. Maybe just I'm going to run my regular offense. It, it's yeah. hard. To, it's hard to second guess because I do get it. No, it's easy to second guess. Well, it's easy to second guess, but I I, I get the reason for putting the ball in his hands. I do, but it just felt like. When it, like I said, when it's not your day, it's just not your day. What he probably needed to do was what he did most of the game. He put the ball in his hands and let him be a facilitator. Career high 10 assists. Right. Instead of Jaron, head, head down, bully your way to the rim against a team that's top five in the country in, in rim protection. And they knew. Like, they had somebody down there on help side waiting to attack as soon as he started going downhill every time. And it made the angles really difficult. It just they were stripping at the ball. Yeah, they were stripping at the ball. That you saw that uh, right at the end of regulation, they stripped at the ball and caused him to slip. So it's just it's tough because I don't think Keith Williams is to the point where you're handing him the ball in isolation and saying go and get us a bucket. You no, don't I, no, really I, have I, a point guard. I get it. Maybe that's more of it. This is more of a Jaron question than it is a decision question. Of look. It's okay when you get gapped to give it up. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody's going to kill you for it. I'm not. I mean, what do you? I mean, I, I, I as a coach, I, I get it, but I also look and go, dude, they're just ganging up on you. Give the ball up. Yeah, but that's that's the hard part as the coach. And I think Chad brings up a good point. No one else on UC can really create in that manner. So while Keith Williams may be having a better day offensively, or Trey Scott may be having a better day offensively. I don't know that I'm trusting them to say, go make a decision for us and create a play, whether that be for you and yourself. You trust Jaron to do that. Now, granted, he maybe didn't make the right decision on this day, but a guy who's elite like him is always going to have that confidence in themselves. So it's hard to – it's not like you can tell him not to go. But but I think sometimes for a lot of players, and and it's when you think it's time to create a play, it's to create a play a lot of times in that circumstance for me. And they think they're doing the right thing because, look, I'm the guy. I can make plays. I've made plays. He made a play at Wichita State, for goodness sakes, that, that not only resulted in a tie but resulted in an and one that wins the game. Well, so I do get that part of it. But at times when three are converging on you, someone's open, bro. The last play in, in overtime, Keith Williams broke free. Yeah, yeah. Didn't see him. Yep. And, and, and as John said in the postgame, some of that was 
the count was at about three and a half going to four at that point in time. Internal clock means you got to get the ball in. Um, and, and Jerem was right there in front of the inbounder. But if they see that Keith wide pop, popping wide open on the backside of the inbounds play for a layup, you see wins the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's tough. I mean, it, 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 hindsight's going to always be twenty twenty in those situations. If you would have told me, though, if we would have hypothetically had a podcast last week and you told me that they were going to go one and one on this road swing, I would have taken Wichita State. You get your tier one. Yeah, win. you needed that. You had to have that. Yep. But does this, this isn't a bad loss, obviously. It's not a good they're, loss. They're in the 60s in Ken Palm. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad loss. But are you now at the stage, though, where you now literally can't lose again other than at Houston? I think you still probably could have one more where you could go five and two and be okay, um, but your 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 margin for error is definitely very thin. But now you've got three of the next four at home. Right. The road game is East Carolina, which you should win, and you can if, if you get that, you're gonna have, you're gonna have won ten of your last eleven. That's still in retrospect. A team playing pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. But I think we've talked, the margin for error is extremely small. Yeah, well, it, it is. There's no question. I think they may find themselves in some in some trouble on Selection Sunday if things stay as they are. But what I know, and Brady, you know this as well as I do, the way this thing is trending for UC, it looks a lot like the way John Brandon's teams typically trend, which is they start playing their best basketball by the end of the year, and then they make a run in their conference tournament. So it wouldn't surprise me at all the way things have looked the last few weeks, I think UC is playing as well as anybody in the conference. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they just went and won the American Athletic Conference tournament. Well, and it might, just let's go back to that last play again. I want to ask all three of you guys, and it doesn't matter now, do you think that Jaron was fouled on that last play? He was definitely fouled. The only question was, does the buzzer after, go Was it after? He was, he was, there was, was no he question was he was fouled. He hit the head on the inbounds that they let go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was hard. But to I'm see. talking about I mean, on the shot specifically. It was the clock expired. I think the clock expired. The he clock was, but expired. he was definitely fouled. But yeah, I mean, I think it just. But his problem is he acted like he had four seconds and not two and a half seconds because he he, he didn't get into it quick enough. If you're going to use that move, as soon as you catch the ball, you got to get right into it. He caught it, held for a second, then got into it, and by the time he got, it was it. Uh, Vital, I think. Yeah, who got up in the air. By, by the time he got Vital up in the air, the game was over. The reason I asked, because I was able to listen to it on the radio and watch it on TV. Of course, Terry That's Nelson. Difficult. It was, it but it hard. wasn't simultaneous. It okay, all right. But I was able to pull that off. Uh, so Terry Nelson, obviously being the UC guy, he called for a foul, and I didn't see it. So I ran home, rewound on the DVR, and the TV analyst, who's clearly neutral, said the same thing. Oh, my gosh, how do you not call that foul? Yeah, And I, I'm just curious. On, I, I, I think it was right. As analysts yourselves. It was a foul, but it was a foul after, after the, the clock. Yeah. Which, yeah. which was something foul. neither guy brought up in their opinion of what they saw. Now, I the, was surprised they didn't go to the monitor to look at and it. And that's what Terry Nelson said. He said, how do these guys, and he used some words that, you know, that weren't sure. curse words but shouldn't be really repeated in describing these guys, but how dare they just run off the floor as if they're thieves in the night? That I was actually, the insulting thing. I actually kind of <laughs> agree with that because they didn't call the foul on the floor and they didn't go to review it because they didn't call the foul, so there was nothing to, to review. review. Right. So they didn't technically see it as a foul, and it was too bang-bang for them to know whether or not the buzzer had gone off because I didn't think the buzzer had gone off until someone had a tweet out there with this, 
the still shot of it. You could see the zeros on the clock and the ball still clearly in his hands. Yeah, and he's really good at usually getting a guy up in the air like that. Yeah. And if he could have done it two-tenths of a second quicker, I think they would have called the foul. I really do. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive It was a clear foul. But still, I... There's no way the refs knew it was too late. There's no way. They, they micromanage everything well, else. Why not the last the baseline, play of the game? James Anderson had his hand up. He just didn't blow the whistle. Well, Man. we see this all the time. They micromanage everything, and all of a sudden in overtime, that's something Dan Horde said. Hey, if anything's close, they're not blowing their whistle no, today, and boys. You know, and you usually know that. That, that would have been a shame if it, it, if it had occurred with time on the clock and they not yeah. blow the whistle because yeah. that's that was clearly that's a foul. American athletic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I right, speak in the mirror. But how about how about not getting how about not allowing eighteen offensive rebounds? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, in, in how about co- not getting your it, rear it, end kicked? It, it never comes down to the final UConn. play, but when it comes down to the final yeah, play, you, it, you, you forget about those things. And John Brandon was great about you know pointing that out because he was not clearly upset about that last play. Yeah, and you know there was felt like key, key junctures of the game where they had a two point lead, got a stop. And gave up, gave up a rebound and then couldn't add on because they'd give up an offensive rebound and then somebody would stick one back. And so um, it is disappointing, but I think you're right. If you were to say what, what they wanted at the start of the week, if you were going to go one and one get the Wichita State win for sure. Yep. And, and that, that's what they got. All right, so for, but, the, for the American, though, where, where much, do we stand there with this league? How much of a hit league? does Wichita State take after today? Yeah. Ooh, buddy. Got drilled. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, got drilled. Um so, so now when you look in the league, and we always do this by league when we shouldn't, as we know. I mean, you jumble all the rest of the non-conference champions together in a pot, and then you figure out who the best ones are. But we do this by league a lot of times. Um, because, you know, for some leagues, like the Big Ten, I think Rick and I talked this week, as long as you don't lose to Nebraska or Northwestern, you're, you're okay. Now, you can't keep losing every game, but, you know, as long as you don't do that, you're not suffering a bad loss along the way, and you have chances for good wins. In this league right now, you don't get a lot of chances – Top-notch wins, and I just don't know how. How many are we? At two teams get in from this league at most. I think we're kind of moving in that direction, aren't we? And maybe one, if somehow UC loses a game it shouldn't lose down the stretch and doesn't win the conference championship. I mean, yeah, I mean, Houston, Memphis, and UC are really the only three in play. And Memphis right? ain't helping well, itself. State, for, I think is still somewhat in play, but they, they're going to have to. They're going to have to hump it. They're going to have to get their head out of the rear yeah. end real quick. Yeah, they're going to have to hump it for sure. Um and Memphis is playing its way kind of away from fast all of this very quickly. Fast. Very quickly. And Tulsa, even though Tulsa's had a nice season, Tulsa's not in the mix. So, I mean, in theory, you could have this could be a one-bid league. I, I think it's definitely going to be at least two. Um, but, it's, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out among these four teams that are kind of in the mix. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, Wichita State is still in the mix. That Today is a bad loss. Yes. But. Yes. It's a It's a tier one loss on the road, which, I mean, nobody's Just, really but, at the but, end but of the day going to look at the score. Right. But, who, oh, buddy, had, they got smoked. They had a couple of these, it, though, it, of That's late, what though. I'm saying more so. Is it feels offense, like it's, they're trending yeah. in the wrong direction right now. They are insanely hot and cold offensively. If they're, if they, It's complete streaky, and it's all outside if they're jump shooting. If they're on jump shooting, they're okay, and they can score like we saw them do against Cincinnati. But then today they couldn't throw it in the ocean, and Houston just, who, Houston looks real mad after that Cincinnati no doubt, loss. No doubt, that, that, real that, mad. That, that rematch is going to be. I, I think it's going to be a bite fest, is what it's going to be. <laughs> um, so, as a UC fan, would you be less concerned after today when you lose in overtime on the road with your best player going one for eleven, or do you say, "Hey, this team's still playing pretty good basketball, and they still almost won on the road 
in an overtime game with your best player going one for 11. I, I, and maybe it's because I had 500 things going on and I, my, my brain really, I was watching the game, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I really don't. I, yes, you, you probably, you would have been the behooved you to win the sure. game. Um, but I don't think you walk out of there with think, major it, question with marks. With major question marks. Cause I, uh, Jerem was one for 11 and you, and you were, you're at a one. You lose a one point game in overtime on the road. On the road to a, a a decent team, not a not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but a team over the past two to three weeks that has played, played better. better. Yeah, I mean, what just um, went to Tulsa yeah. one, and Tulsa's been really good and really good at home. You know what they're doing though? They're they're giving the ball to Altari Gilbert less, and that's changed them because I I would I, Rick our fan bases. If you've watched any of you, you watched the the game Xavier played against him. I did. Our fan bases would have a panic attack watching Altari Gilbert the way he's played this year. He has been really bad. Well, I've watched Xavier fans have their own panic attack about a certain <laughs> guard, the, so I won't. About yeah, the wrong just, guard who's now coming off the bench. Yeah, I'll just hesitate to comment on that one if you don't mind. I tried to set you up there. All right, speaking of Xavier, um, a solid win over Providence. And, and they're at that stage now where uh, I think you and I talked about it I think what we have uh, over the last stretch, they needed to go, what, four and three, we said, or yeah, five and four? I thought I'm they needed four the wins heading into the province. I think team. I said five, and you said four. So, yeah, on the, on the same page. And Rebound, so Tyreek Jones. It is unreal right now. I mean, it's look, ridiculous. can you have a game where you go get 18 because? Yeah. Can you have another game where you go get 18 because? Probably not. Can you get another game where you go get 18 because? No. What, what in the world? I mean, what, Rebound, what, what, flip, Jones. what flip is his switch for him? I mean, he's always been a good rebounder, but we're talking approaching 20 every night. Yeah, I mean, he, to me, he's the most dominant rebounder in the country. And I think there's very few guys who have a skill set like there. I mean, in the past, we've seen it with maybe some shot blockers, um, rebounders. It's very rare. Maybe like a Kendall Marshall could dominate the game with assists. It's rare that you see a guy that has that one skill set that's not scoring and they can still dominate a game. Right now, Tyreek Jones is doing that with rebounding. Rebound, Tyreek Jones. No, it, it's... He's See if I can get to 18. You think I can get to 18? You're at four right now. And as a coach, you know, Skinny, rebounding is all about one, two. No, I told, I, I told him I was driving to go coach a game last Saturday, and I kind of had the Seton Hall game on in the background, and all I could hear was shot Seaton Hall. Rebound, rebound Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek Jones. Jones. And I kept driving here. Rebounded by Tyreek Jones. I went, at one point, I went, how many does this cat have? So I got to where I was going. I looked down and went, holy cow, he is a machine. It's I, incredible. I, I did the, the post game. For Xavier two weeks ago on LW, which I'm sure that I'm delighted. sure that's the light of the yeah, fan. That base. was probably a little weird. Xavier it, it was awesome. He came out and talked about how I, I, strange it was to see a Xavier team be soft and not be able to rebound. And then he goes, "Oops, oops. actually, I had the stats switch. <laughs> well, they won the rebounding battle today." That was that was also a situation where literally they called me at 5:30 and said, <laughs> "Go do it. We need you here at 6:30." So I what I did was I heard Byron and Joe wrong. On the way in, yeah. the reverse. You heard the, the, I the heard the reverse as I was driving. You in. could audibly hear you pulling looking up at the, the box no, score I had and it up, and I'm yeah. looking at it and I'm going, "Wait, <laughs> this is saying backwards." I, son, I've been on for three minutes, and I already screwed this yeah. whole damn segment up. <laughs> it was great radio. Sometimes, it was. sometimes you got to do a mea culpa though. On Hopefully, that's on I, a I, podcast. I, I, hey, everybody knows if you followed me for any period of time, I have no problem with the mea culpa. Yeah. When I'm wrong, I eat it. It, he, it is what it is. He went straight from, eh, let's just talk about Kobe Bryant instead. Yeah, it was <laughs> he was like, let's, let's stop the Xavier stuff. It, it this was, probably wasn't it, a good idea. It was the day Kobe died. I just yeah. went straight to Kobe. Yeah, that, 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 I thought I was the Kobe. only guy that did that, so thanks, man. No, you, I mean, I'll eat it. I, I have no problem eating it. I know if you were listening, I was hoping you were listening because that was i was pulling here to do tv right I, at the it time was you it on. was yeah. classic just like the first 90 seconds 
you got this Xavier team just they're getting killed on the glass. Da, 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 da. And then I think I looked at Tyreek's rebounding totals and he had like fourteen like or thirteen or something, thirteen yeah. and I was like, wait. If he had thirteen, then nobody else must have had Oh boy, really screwed that up, didn't I? Good job, dumbass. Uh, he's he's been he's been he's incredible. A mon- rebound, Tyreek Jones. All right, so Six. so you thought four wins, right? And so that's one of the four that they they probably. Yeah. Need. In fact, I looked at bracket matrix. I think even before the game yesterday, they were already they were in. UC was actually first four out yeah. as of yesterday. I didn't look after the game probably today to see what it was, but not, but not not by a whole lot. I wouldn't think. Um, and I'm assuming Xavier still is probably on that 11 seed line, right? Yeah, I mean they haven't changed them yeah. after today. Most brackets haven't, but yeah, they're the second 11 seed right now on bracket matrix. All right, what's left is at Butler and Butler at home. Butler at home is the last game of the year, and that could be just a huge, huge game for a lot of different reasons. At St. John's, Nova, which isn't playing very well right now, and you get them at home, and and you get a chance there. DePaul at home, which should be a win, and then at Georgetown at Providence. Yeah, I think three more is very doable now as you look at it. Yeah, right? I think it is. I think you plan on getting um, the at St. John's game. Or, or, yeah, the game at St. John's. You plan and on you got, beating. And you got three decent chances at home, too. Right. You plan on beating DePaul the second time, obviously. And then you have to find one more win. Um, a lot of people probably point to at Georgetown, but you'll also have the opportunity at Providence. And then who knows? Maybe you beat. Butler one of the two times, I or think you pull you the do. upset against Villanova. Watching them today, and I watched them against Marquette, and granted, it's on the road, and we've talked about this league on the road, and, and Marquette is very capable. They're a, they're a nice team, but Butler has a hard time scoring consistently, especially away from home. They, they really can. do. And I think Marquette had a really good game they plan did. against these guys. They I did. mean, it's a very defined set of players for that Butler team. If You, you can game plan them pretty easily. You just got to execute the game plan, and they got to miss some shots. Xavier hasn't exactly been great at following game plans this year, so we'll see how well they they take to it. They have been the past three games. Well, and the thing is, when they lock in defensively, it doesn't always matter if they yeah. remember the game plan perfectly. I mean, because just a simple thing. I mean, the All Access episode showed us yeah. perfectly. Wait, of, have we had a show since that? No, Rick and I talked about. It. I, I, loved I, it. I loved it. I thought it was outstanding. It was really yeah, good. I, I did too. I mean, I, fans I don't know didn't that it's, like it. I don't know that it's great for fans because I don't think they have enough context. I don't think to they know make what a they're, lot of it yeah. makes sense. And they were freaking out about some things that were just like totally commonplace. Um, which and and I also think it puts the players and the coaches in a really tough spot. Like I yeah. would I totally understand if they wouldn't want it because they feel like they're being taken out of context and conversations or interactions that they may have that could be totally normal for a game, maybe taken a totally different way by a fan is just seeing that for the first Brady, time. Brady, how do you think it all access with me would go? I think it would be the greatest television ever. Uh, I'd have to really bite my tongue on a lot of uh, things would, I said. How many no, stomps? Wait a second. I watched this guy Jones. in person, uh, was it, two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago. And really, the only thing that went on that would have been described as colorful was when you were upset with one of your kids and you walked down to the end of the bench where no one was sitting and you just took that punt slap onto that padded chair and I thought we were going to have to call for the trainer. Yeah, I, thank goodness it was padded. That was wise. <laughs> President almost take your shoulder out. <laughs> How many times would you be arrested in an all-access episode? I wouldn't be arrested. I, there'd be a lot of beeping going on. There'd have to be just a whole lot of beeping, In man. 2020, can you... MF kids, like how's that work? I, I, I didn't do that. I, I, all I yelled, I, I was mad. We were we were getting anywhere we wanted to go that game and missing layup after layup after layup. And we well, finally that sounds just, like something you would take well another way and <laughs> just slammed my hand on the chair and said, "Can we make a fricking?" And I did use the word "fricking" layup. And that's, that's all I said. It's a freshman up. game, so there isn't many people there. That's right. And you can hear individual yeah. conversations <laughs> in the crowd, except for when Skinny screaming yeah, or I'm announcing. Yeah, yeah, you can hear pretty a lot awesome. Of, yeah, you can hear a lot of things. Right. But I do. I thought the access was was fabulous. I'd love to see them do it again but i think rick's right it does 
It does. You, you got to be. You got to be spot on on, on what you were saying. And what I didn't I, really what think I, it until I saw all the fan reaction to it, and then I was like, eh, maybe this isn't the best thing in the world. What I really wanted was would have been all access Mick Cronin, Sean Miller. <laughs> <laughs> he got the best of him. He did get the best of him, right? He did. That was an ass kick. That was an ass kick. And Second shockingly, half for sure. Shockingly, for sure. I wonder how many shirts that uh, that Sean sweated, sweated through, through. On, on that day. Not, right. not enough. So let's did get you, the, They actually, they were cordial in the handshake line afterwards. Yeah, it was fake. It's really but, corny yeah, right now right. between them. Wait till they're both good at the same time, yes, and it matters. Be a, then they'll be right yelling now back it's and easy. forth. Yeah. It'd be easily yelling They're trying back to be forth. adults right now, which is not fun for anybody. All right, so let, let me get one more Xavier thing in here, and it revolves around Quentin Gooden. So we're, where are we with him in yard six? you got a long way to go. Where are we with him? He got 11 minutes last night. I thought he's giving, like this game against Providence, I thought he gave what you needed out of him. Granted, the two threes, you maybe could have done without. He didn't necessarily need to toss those up. Certainly the one was a little too quick. But if he just plays really hard defensively when he's in there and he's out there just trying to play a role, and honestly, he was moved off the ball for most of the time that he was in the game. So he caught the one time, attacked right off the wing, got an and one. Like, that's fine. He can he can oh. give you some stuff, athleticism, as long as he's just playing within a role and not trying to do too much. All right, so I think I heard you with Mo Egger. And, and Rebound, Tyreek Jones. You're at seven. You got a long way to go. Um, three, two or three in that you missed too, the, though. The wild card for UC when things were going bad, I guess, was that they still had Jaron Cumberland. Yeah. If Jared Cumberland plays like Jaron Cumberland, this team can go to another gear. Xavier's playing pretty well without a lot from Tyreek or with a lot from you know, rebound Tyreek Jones. Jones. Thank you. Without a lot from Quentin Gooden, could that be a wild card? That if for whatever reason the the flip switches for him and he starts to play like a guy that we've seen at times, can he take this team to that? I don't know if another level, I don't know what another level is for them, but can that be the wild card or no? Can he play better and help them? Yes. Do you? But honestly, I think for this team to be at its best and the direction they're trending is Quentin in a more limited role, Kiki Tandy playing more consistently in terms of not turning the ball over too much, not making crazy decisions, and then just giving you solid enough defense because at times he's been really really bad on that and at times he's been okay and he's made some plays if he can just be solid enough defensively he gives you another element offensively that you don't otherwise have and he's starting to do it more consistently specifically attacking off the bounce before he was just a spot-up shooter now he's starting to see some lanes open up he's taking guys off the bounce he's drawing contact he's becoming a difference maker and giving you a creator that this team has lacked all season all right so for Quinton is, you think he's accepting of this new role, or it just Quentin is what really, it is? I think Quentin really wants to win. I believe that. Okay. Because I, I look at his body language since he's been taken out of the starting lineup, and it seems like he's been a great teammate. And when he checks into the game, he seems bought into his role, and he's defending guys. And as long as he does that, now there was a possession or two where you know maybe he was out of position and you need him to lock in a little bit better. But as long as he's playing hard defensively and he's playing in a limited role, I think he's fine. Like I, I don't think Quentin's a huge focus either way for Xavier, but I think he definitely has a place on this team. Rebound, Tyreek Jones. Nine. You got to get if he's averaging, halfway there. You're getting there, little by little by little. All right, let's move to Kentucky with a win at Tennessee. It's been a tough place for Kentucky to actually go win. They were only what a one point favorite. Tennessee stinks. Tennessee does stink. I, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you, but they've also stunk in some past years, and Kentucky's gone down there and had a hard time. The last four Saturdays have been quite the gauntlet for, for, for Kentucky. And, and I know Tennessee's not great, but still, it's down there. And it follows up Auburn on the road, which they lost. Texas Tech, which they did win. I'm drawing a blank on the one before that. Uh, Arkansas on the road, which they, they went and won. Um, I think for all of us, our opinion has changed since the Louisville game, since we saw Nick Richards. And now when you start to again look at the landscape, they were not among, we're going to talk about this towards the end of the, the, the podcast, the 16-team the reveal, um, bracket reveal. Um, 
this team looks more and more capable of of, of making a, a bit of a run just because the way Nick Richards has played, and now you surround him. Keon Brooks had a nice game. Johnny Juzang had a huge Johnny game, Juzang. 11 points. To, to, into a to me, it's, it's that you have two defined go-to players on offense. You've got Nick Richards in the post. You've got Emmanuel quickly on the perimeter. And both of those guys have been pretty darn consistent, pretty darn consistent. since that Louisville yes. game. And as long as you have two reliable guys, then all the other guys can just be... Now Maxie's your three. Right. Your Maxie's third guy. Right. Or Juice Sang or Sistina or whoever gives you just Sistina a little... Sistina didn't even bit. do anything in his last game, so yeah. And you don't have to rely on any of those guys. As long as you just need one or two of them to kind of give you a little bit, you're good. And this Kentucky team is really talented when it's going like that for them. So, to me, it's just having the two go-to guys on offense. Exactly. And it can come from anywhere as far as Maxi And if Juzang, who's been called you know, an outside shooter this whole time, and now he finally has this coming out party in February, you know, that's just something that no one else has tape on right now. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing is he's clearly not a part of other teams' game plans. Like, no one is worried about Johnny Juicing. No. So, um, he can open things up. I think Keon Brooks is starting to play a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, Cal, Cal talked about him in the postgame last night. He's he was, got a he motor very, to him all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, he was very he excited about what he did. And he's going to take minutes away from Sestina, it looks like, because it's proven that Sestina is, is not very good. He, well, he's a mid-major player, okay. but he was a guy they were heavily relying on because Whitney and Brooks didn't do anything. As I've said before, high majors need to stop relying on mid-major grad, grad transfers coming in and being starter-level impact guys. Or have five-star freshmen be good from day one, which That's, is also a flawed thing when it's not the top three or four yeah, guys. Yeah, it depends on – anything below – if there's anything lower than a, a five next to your name, right. if your rank is eight, yeah. don't count on that guy being a star right away. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to NKU. Um, Speaking of Coach Cal, you missed your segue. I did. He actually made it to the he made it to the NKU game, the NKU Detroit game to see his son play. You said it's a great arena. Uh, yes, which it is. It, it is, is a great, great arena. It is a great arena. I'm sure, he had a great great seat for that that game for the Brad Calipari All Stars. Um, there's there's no doubt that it has become really a two team race, and I'm not even sure there's anybody even close. The only thing for either Wright State or NKU is just don't go slip up and let's make that last game mean something. And I think it's going to come down to that. Well, Northern Kentucky has two at home coming up. Very winnable games. IUPUI is in the basement. They're terrible. <laughs> UIC, top to bottom, might have the best talent. They just can't seem to figure out how to consistently string together wins. I mean, they have three 1,000-point scorers on their roster. Them and Green Bay, it's like you just don't know what to expect. They're, from they're an enigma. They're both really talented, though, and when yep. they play to no, their I, ability, I'll be honest, they're the, tough. The, the Green Bay-NKU game that was televised – Green Bay looked like the better team for 25 minutes, and NKU like mm-hmm. like clearly the better team for the other 15 minutes. It was two completely different games, and and you saw, I mean, Green Bay against uh, against Wright State. I mean, yeah. they're good enough to do that. Yeah, I think to me those are the next two teams after Wright State and NKU that are at the top, in my opinion, in that second tier. But they're just so inconsistent. Green Bay, especially, I think. Yeah. Um, and I can't get that 30, the image of that 30 0 run that you, that NKU had yeah. on UIC at, in Chicago at out of place. my head. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, it's so hard to reconcile them still being a good team after witnessing I that. I think those guys kind of. They quit every now and again, and that's Clearly. probably the part of the problem is is they're not bought into their coach, and that's why a lot of folks around the UIC program seem to think that this is the end for Steve McClain. But I think their coach is usually pretty bought into the to his players, though. Well, you know, if you catch, I, I, I understand what you're trying sure. to say, but I, I'm not trying to get anybody investigated <laughs> on the mid can't, on the mid major. Say that we can't I talk can. about big bag man in the Horizon League. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Right. I can, but I know that that guy uh, he got a lot of decent players in, in at uh, Indiana, 
and he made Tom Crean look like a damn good coach when he's bringing in Zeller that's and Oladipo. That, that's hard to do. Trust yeah, me, that's, that's not always the easiest. It's extremely hard to do. Um, Tyler Sharp didn't have a great shooting game on on Thursday night, um, and I guess that's going to happen on occasion. But if that had happened a month ago, NKU doesn't win that game on Thursday night. Well, yeah, because a month ago they didn't have Dantes Walton, right. and they were just just getting Jalen Tate back, and he wasn't himself. The nice thing for Tyler Sharp is he's really kind of become the third, the, the third, third right, and option, that's, that's perfect. And they don't necessarily need him because the way adrian nelson dominates the glass and the way trayvon faulkner can go off and have a big night too it's like if he's the fourth or fifth option that night that's okay too i think that benefits him greatly because you saw when he was the number one option even though he had 30 point games he also had games where he was forcing it to the point where he was a single digit score for three or four games in a row right so i think tyler sharp who is a great piece if he's your best player or your number one option, that's a team that's flawed. Well, when opposing teams are putting their most athletic defender on him and just chasing him and grabbing and holding him, double team around well, every screen. Like gives Dantez Walton an opportunity, gives Jalen Tate an mm-hmm. opportunity to well, play against somebody who's not as good. And no one can do that now, right? But a few right. weeks ago when oh, yeah, they yeah, had yeah, those yes, guys, yes, yes. that's what he was facing. And it's like he's not the type of athlete that can free himself from that type of attention. But – when all of a sudden he's got the second or third defender on a team, then it becomes a different story. Like Antoine Davis, he was just picking on last night towards the end of the game, using his body against a 155-pound guy. That's a battle he's going to win all the time. And talk about the defensive play that Northern Kentucky had against Antoine Davis, held him to a career-low 10 points. Pretty impressive. That's something Darren Horn, I mean, we we say this now, you know, about him taking out – the other team's best player, because that certainly didn't happen against Oakland when uh, Rashad Williams went off for, I think, 34 points. But they did an amazing job stopping him, not giving him any space at all to get a shot off. And when he did, man, if he just had a sliver, that shot was up, and a lot of times it was in. But, you know, he only made four buckets the whole night because he just didn't get open looks. Yeah, it was Jalen Tate and Trayvon Faulkner at the top of the matchup. Bigger guys. Spending a lot of time on him. But also, Paul Joko came off the bench, yeah. and I thought gave some good minutes, applying pressure to Antoine Davis, who's, by the way, the third lead score in the entire country mm-hmm. and NKU right, held him right. to his career low and out of 54 starts now just 10 points so uh you'll take it that's by the way he's never scored in single digits that's they were they came the closest out of anyone held him 10 is that good that's all right <laughs> i mean it granted, is when he's the one they're counting on the most he takes a few shots to get there though by the way <laughs> well, i've i've checked I've, I've checked with a couple sources and they confirm Never scoring in single digits is good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Tyreek Jones has got another rebound, by the way. Tyreek Jones rebound. <laughs> Adrian we, Nelson we, has one, too. Uh, he had 13. Uh, what do you... And that's seven double-digit rebounds, not to, uh, to uh, interrupt you, but no, interrupt seven double-digit rebound games for Adrian Nelson the, this, so far this year. Interrupting people is what we do. Exactly. I just was going to be polite <laughs> this time. You don't have to apologize. I just want to make sure you guys bring me back another time. Skinny is a professional at it. Yes, I am. If okay. Tyreek Jones wasn't doing what he was doing right now, we'd probably be talking even more in the city about what Adrian and Nelson is doing as a rebounder because and a, Trey Scott. Yeah, I mean it's been we got three guys putting up pretty ridiculous performances on the glass. Rebound Tyree Jones, indeed. Um, I wanted to ask you though. Yes, um, Jim asked me this question before the game about Dantes Walton. Do you think he's still in contention for Player of the Year in the conference now, even after all the time he missed? It's hard to miss no. ten games, man. It really is. I thought so too, but the only guy who's really clearly. What about the guy that's never scored in single digits? Well, he, I don't think he, he's going to get in it. In that guy's opinion, team. You, well, in, in Jim Kelch, and, and he's our guy, he's not a fan of Antoine Davis at all. Um, so I don't think he's going to vote for him. Um, I think, Did I mean, I'm not vote? speaking for him. Would you him. go to Loudon? 
I don't. Well, I that, that's I don't what I said. I said, what's the award? He's the only guy that's well, clearly in And, and in what's the award? Right? The most outstanding player, Antoine Davis, or the most valuable player on the best team, which is Loud and Love? Do you, what is your definition of that? And we ask that every time that at any sport. Do you what, believe that, Antoine Davis is the most outstanding player in this conference? Though no, I don't believe. Your team can't lose as much as his team loses, right. and you still be that good. Most Wampler's dynamic still around. Can I vote for he him? Is. He, he is. is. He's having a good year. He's having a good yeah. year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. He'd honestly probably well, be in like the top five or six right now. Because I mean, Xavier you can't go wrong with Willie Wampler. Different, disappointing season at Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I mean, Loudon Love is kind of the only guy who separated himself. To me, Antoine Davis just loses too much. What if what if Dantez Walton has these next two weeks and you pile on to, well, he actually had a, coming off a of good game, so we'll include that, the Detroit game on top of it, finishes out strong, they beat Wright State, win the, win the conference. Do you hold the 10 games that he missed against him? That's what I'm saying. And you what go back to the Arkansas yes. game? You go yes. To okay, what if he gets and I want to tie that into Jaron Cumberland here in a second because I, I, it it's actually kind of correlates a little bit. Obviously, Jaron wasn't dealing with injury, but I want to get back to that. He was. Yeah. But what if he well, gets, you know not that made him miss games, right, but yes. Right. What if he gets back to the point where he was in the non-conference where he's had like you know multiple 30-point right. games going? What if he does that here down the stretch all of a sudden? And, and carries them to the one seed. I could honestly see you making a legit case only because no one else has t- clearly taken hold of that award. Right. Right but if now. you're asking me that question today on February 9th, I say no. And it's loud and love would be your pick? I would, yes. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I think that's right. How many conference games did he miss? Uh, ten. Or nine. He missed the Greensboro so game. So he missed half that's of right, the conference. Right, so it's right, nine. That's right. that game. Tyler half, Sharp had 30 this is, this is why I would say Jaron Cumberland is different. Because Jaron Cumberland, since the start of conference play has been the best player in the American and, Conference. And, and just to phrase the question, has Jaron done enough to, to redeem himself, for lack of a better term, to put himself in the conversation for AAC Player of the Year? Yeah, because I think the only other person that would really be right up there with him... Houston doesn't have a guy. No, is Precious Achua, and they right. are sliding fast. Right. Wichita State doesn't really have a guy. Tulsa's being exposed for having right. Frank Haith as a coach. <laughs> You'll see... I do this a lot yeah, with the coach thing. Wait, well, we... Downstairs, when we did TV, I, I took a shot at Turgeon. Yeah, I, I, I know you. And he, he said it was an agenda. No, it's not an agenda. No, I, just, I, I, just, I just was just poking coaches at him. I hate. It's like you're poking at him. Yeah, exactly. coaches I hate. And there's Frank Haith is There's a the lot list. of them, though, man. That's the thing. That's what I find. There's some guys I don't think are good coaches. Right. And I'm entertained by you saying that. I, I, I think Frank Haith, he's actually done a, a, a he's really done a good very job. Nice job. I still I, I have a hard time after watching them win some games, believe that is the same team I watched at Fifth Third no, right. Arena, just raced. get boat raced yeah. by 31. Yeah. Um, but I, I think pretty clearly Jaron Cumberland has been the best player in the American since the start and, of conference and, and, and play. And I'm asking you this question on a day when he did not play very well he at all. Had ten, he still had double-digit no, no, assists. He still impacted the game. I, he just couldn't so, get the, so let's the, just the say shots he, to fall. Let's just say he plays the way he's played for the most part in conference play, and they still don't – they finish second. They finish second behind Houston. They finished second a, last year, and he was right. conference no, I player of the year. So is that enough, you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I, I think it, You also has. get the benefit of the doubt is you're the reigning conference player of the year, yeah. and you played like the best player in the conference all 18 games of the conference season. Yeah. I, t- I tend to agree with that. I think he'll probably end up as the AAC player of the year, too. Yep. I, I, Houston, the, the problem is Houston just doesn't have – No, they don't have a guy. A guy. They, and most of the conference doesn't have a guy like, like Jaron, right. so – all right, the NCA on Sunday or on Saturday, rather, for the third was the third straight year they've done the uh, the bracket reveal, the early bracket reveal. Um, the one seeds, no surprise: um, Baylor, San Diego State, Kansas, and Gonzaga. I don't think anybody has any issue with that. We can argue whether the merits of San Diego State are there, but they've at least earned it to this point. The two seeds coming out of this were West Virginia, and it didn't help that they then go to Oklahoma and lose. That probably, uh, Dayton was a two seed, which is going to piss Rick off um, on many levels. Louisville was a two seed in Duke. Any any issues with any of the twos other than your personal hatred for Dayton? 
Yeah, I mean, but from I, a pure basketball standpoint, I think you at least can nod your head to what they're doing. I really right? just despise the, the city, city of not, Dayton, not the university, and um, a certain is. team in yes. the suburbs of yes, Dayton. I, I, I don't realize. really care that much about UD. Yeah, um, and Obi so Toppin's fun, to, fun watch. to watch. Yeah. He is fun to watch. Yeah. He is. Yeah, fun what are they? Sh- they're I, shooting fifty something yeah, percent from the yeah. floor as a team because they dunk. I, my my like kind of hot take is I think they're a little overrated. Of course it is. I think. Of course that's your hot. I think they're going to get exposed. I don't know. I thought what they did in Hawaii was pretty good, and that's it a was. long, long time ago. Yeah. I do realize that. I get all of those things, but that's really been their only proving ground to this point, and they at least and proved something. And is Opie Toppin the best player in college the country? Basketball? I think so. Yeah. He's awful good. I, I, he's pretty good. He's he's definitely top three. I'd say top three, you have to go Miles Powell, yeah, Miles Powell Luke Garza, and Obi Toppin. I might lean towards Miles Powell. Because Toppin is a guy that's dependent on his teammates. Yeah. You know, where Powell those other guy. guys you mentioned, they all they need is the ball. Well, Garza dependent on them getting him the ball too a little bit. But but he can go out and score outside. He can. And he can, he's, he's a, a, bull, he's a really bully around the rim. Yeah, he's, he's expanded his game a ton. I wish you were on the road when he was playing AAU. I was. Did you, you remember his dad? Yeah. His dad was the biggest lunatic I've ever seen in my life. They always life. show him during games too, by the way. He used to walk up oh, and down the him. opposite sideline coaching the game. Anyone How is he coaching? different than anybody From else's dad? No, 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 no. That no, sounds no, like no. a lot of people at AAU. <laughs> no, 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 no. He stands out even no, no, no. by AAU. Even more no, no, than no, no, the normal no, no, no. ones? Listen, listen. I'm not saying he paced up and down and yelled at the refs. I'm saying he paced up and down and Richard Skinner coached the game from the opposite baseline, or from the opposite sideline. That wouldn't fly for me. The entire game. <laughs> did he not, Rick? Yeah, he did. It was unbelievable. I sat That's there one game with Jim Beheim, and the two of us just looked at each other I, like, I would, I would, what? Is happening. That's great. Why do you show him all the time on TV? He, because he's a lunatic no matter where he's at. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so in terms of the reveal, yes. I would say I kind of feel like the two and three seeds are better than the ones. I did two because all right, so I did the twos. The threes are Seton Hall, uh Maryland, although I don't think Maryland's better than Duke, although maybe they are. Nova, which isn't playing great right now. Uh, and Florida State, and I do like Florida State. I mean, it didn't help that West Virginia, right after the reveal, goes to Oklahoma and loses. That kind of kind of put a damper on it. The one for me, I guess, and, and but that happens every year. And again, this is this is this is just more f- fodder for talk than anything else. I don't see Michigan State the way they're playing right now, and the fact Kentucky beat them on a neutral. It's got to count for something. How are they ahead of Kentucky in this? I'm. I'm and a I know little. They even su- said they considered Kentucky too. I'm a little surprised they were a four seed, but at the same time. How do you even figure out the four seeds? Right I understand now? that until this is over and we know exactly where everyone's going to be. How do you define like the four through six seed lines? Right so now? Kentucky gets dinged probably for the bad losses more than the win over Michigan yeah, State, and, and, and especially the Evansville loss. I think that's, that's going to come back to haunt them. Whether, the whether it's whether it's it's going to hurt them at least a line. Yeah, whether it's deserved or not, that's it's a bad deserved. Line. Yeah, yeah, it's deserved. I mean, you you can't lose at home to Evansville. Yeah, you and it wasn't can't. just Evansville, right? I mean, they Utah. had like three losses outside the top one hundred. But that's probably. the one that everybody's going to point to. Oh, yeah. for sure, that's the one that's the quadrant four and costly. Yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, I, I think if I'm looking at resumes and Michigan State's doesn't stand out ahead of Kentucky's a ton, and you go head to head on a neutral, and yeah, I know it was back in November, but if you're going to tell me that. Your body of work is your body of work, and whatever happens in November is the same thing as what happens in March. I, I just don't think that outside of Cassius Winston, I don't think that Michigan State team has much. I mean, they just can't I, win on the road. I don't either. Well, they, they just lost at home to Penn State. Yeah, well, that's not great I mean, either. That's not they, great either. But they can't win on the road, period. Yeah. Well, that's not great either. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I love that response. It's really good. Like I said, I look, San Diego State, I tip my cap. You've won every game. Rebound Tiger Jones. 
I would say if I'm an eight nine winner, got to finish strong here. He's, he's got he got a long way to go. If I'm an eight nine seed and they are a one, I am. I it is the like the year Kentucky was an eight or whatever the heck they were, and Wichita State was a one. You're like, thank you, thank you for giving us that as the one seed. I'll take it and run to the bank. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, if you're a lower seed, that's exactly who you want to see. Yeah, for sure. I think eight nine seeds are looking at all of those ones and going, hmm, hmm. I, I, Baylor just keeps winning. I, I think they're pretty good. I do. I know. I, we, I think we, they're in the conversation. We can go into Scott Drew train all the all we want. But, but like, I would take he's, he's gotten better. Yes, I would take Louisville, or Seton Hall, or Duke right there with yeah. Baylor. I don't. I don't feel better about Baylor than any of those teams. Yeah, I don't feel great about Kansas. Um, I think Kansas is probably the best team in the country. And Gonzaga. I'm not going to lie to you. I've probably watched one half of one game of Gonzaga this year. I'm going when they're healthy. They're Scary. I'm sure, and I'm sure they are. It, it, getting, it's, it's hard a, to tell. It, it, it is. It, you play in a trash league that you're just not going to get challenged very much. You can't doubt the Zogs. The Zogs. I like it. Or the Zags. But Zogs. I like the Zogs. I like the Zogs, for goodness sakes. Well, Rick always says, do, do they, do they, are they called the Zogs? They're I'm called the Zags. Start calling the Zogs. The Zogs. It's not Gonzaga. It's Gonzaga. They are the Zags. No, for it's the Zogs. Gonzaga. All right. Any final thoughts, Brady Labor? Uh, just at the NKU game, uh, when. Detroit was there, and uh, of course, John Calipari showed up, and we kind of made light of it. I just thought it was very cool that he could go in there as the number one basketball guy in the state and just be a dad and not be like the dad you guys just talked about and just sit there and play on his phone and half watch the game, cheer for his kid, take selfies with his family, and just be a normal dude for two hours. That's something you just don't see very often. Instead of the nightmare situations, we talk about Joe Common, who has everything invested in their kid and acts like a complete buffoon in the crowd, and there's not going to be a payoff at the end. It, it was just great to see a guy like that just act normal for a change because all we do is micromanage and make fun of the, the way he is and all of his, you know, the stuff he says and how ridiculous it is no and whether he done, made a great... No, no coach has done, done and, less and, with more. Right, exactly. <laughs> all those things that you can just block that out for two hours and just let this guy just be a dude enjoying time with his kid. By I thought the, that was pretty cool. By the way, Skinny wasn't there behind him or else he would have <laughs> heckled, heckled him for being on his phone and not watching his kid play. By the way, and I know when halftime comes for you guys, you're probably doing other things, but how about the dude that made the putt? I was just going to say, was, the Barley Corns putt, you could go 10 years. For those of you that don't know, they put the length of the floor, 94, 94 feet. feet. And it's the into, last media time out of the second half, by the way. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Into, into a tiny I thought it was halftime. Okay. wooden hole. So there's a big wooden sign with a tiny hole in the middle. And... Rolling a ball 94 feet on hardwood, if it touches the wood at all, it's not going in. Because we saw a guy two games ago yes. that had it d- dead, dead on, on and it, and it go rimmed in. out wow. on him. Yes. And it was like it hit inside and rimmed And out. we all said, well, it'll never be that close again. Right. Well, you could go <laughs> 10 years. I thought when they started that, it was like the Reds putting that tundra up and left right. no one's ever No one hit. is ever yeah. going to come close. But you get all the promotional value from it. I mean, we haven't seen anyone even hit the board for the most part. People miss the board by 6 to 10 feet most of the times when mm-hmm. they do this thing. We've now had... Two games ago, a guy rims it out, and then last night somebody buries it for five thousand dollars. I think you should get more than five thousand dollars for it. I I do too. But, but shout out to Barleycorns. Shout out to Barleycorns, and shout out to my man, whoever it was that made that putt. Yeah, Michael Myers. Yeah. Michael Myers, who's well a friend done. of Brian Nestor, the uh, tennis coach. Oh, there you at go. Northern okay. Kentucky. Very, very well done. Um, but in the middle he of was that great whole Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> yeah, I really <laughs> like his work. But in the middle of that cluster, 
It's the last media timeout. The game is a bit out of hand. Mike Davis, of course, is coaching Detroit Mercy. And, of course, myself and Brad Redford, my partner, we're we're getting to that. So me me and Redford are being told what we're coming out of the break with. We're ignoring that because of two games ago, which you just described. And we watched that ball go right down the Place gully. Like it went nuts. And I'm in the talk back. You better put that on camera. You better have it. I'm screaming and yelling. The crowd's going nuts. There's all kinds of commotion on the floor. And in the middle of this mess, Mike Davis gets teed up. Oh, jeez. For just being Mike Davis. He's nutty. Yeah. He's a nut. Zero to 60 yes. in no time at all. So then <laughs> we're he's like. mad the putt went in? He's yeah, just, was it his $5,000? He's just angry. He's an angry dude, and he camps out right in front of your broadcast position. Oh, yeah. Then he does Doesn't the move. deal where he literally leans up. Does he still have his bodyguard? No. He I, had that guy didn't know. There was a guy in Indiana. That was, UAB also. He had a okay, uh, the guy in Indiana. He, well, he, he had to. stand up in front of Mike during games. I thought, was he got a hit on him? No, they, this was not going on in the bench, but they might have They have some, some shady guys traveling with them. That might be part of his entourage. <laughs> not sure. That's not proven and, and all that stuff. But, yeah, in the middle of that, this guy gets teed up, and we're all trying to figure out how to get Rebound that video on. And 13. all of a sudden – Faulkner goes up the free throw line and shoots free throw by himself. It's like, what in the world did we dismiss? Mike didn't like the putt. And he, he I was like thinking maybe he heard the crowd and thought people were making fun of him because of what he did the last time last year where he insulted the crowd and they finally just said, okay, there's that butt whooping you just promised us. I, I know I've told it here before, but you haven't heard it. They came, he, When he was at UAB, they came to town and played UC and <laughs> – they got dog walked. I mean, they just got absolutely destroyed. So he comes in, he does the post game interview, and he doesn't leave. And there was a picture on the wall. Remember the old picture on the wall yeah. in the media room yeah. of Oscar? Yeah. The legs the spread, kicked out, yeah, they, the spread eagle getting the rebound. Mike Davis sat there with tears in his eyes and stared at that picture for 25 minutes. He's a goof. Didn't, yeah. uh, didn't move, eyes did, didn't blink, tears in his eyes, just staring at that picture of Oscar like. Where did my life go wrong? That this is where I'm at. I'm coaching UAB and now. just got my ass kicked. Yeah. Where's my bodyguard? What a uh, rebound, Tyreek Jones. What a strange, yeah. strange human being well, that guy is. And you is. mentioned Calipari being a normal dad and not having to coach from the stands. But if any dad ever had a reason to question the coach, Calipari's well, got one. Calipari. Greater than, if I could do the sign, Mike Davis. Yeah. But, you know, Calipari likes Mike Davis for whatever reason. For whatever reason. He sent his kid Let, there. Yes. Listen yes. to me. I will say this. Bob Huggins loved Joey Meyer. You know why he loved Joey Meyer? Because he was a better coach Because he's Joey a lot Meyer. better coach than Joey Meyer. Absolutely. <laughs> Joey's, Joey's really good. He's. Oh, I don't know why he's ever under the hot seat. Joey's great. Yeah, he is, because you keep kicking his ass. <laughs> is that your final thought, the putt? That's, that's my, my final thought. What about you, Chad Brennan? What yeah, do you got? I can't believe we've made it this whole podcast, and we haven't talked about Robert Montgomery Knight returning to a I didn't hall. see it. I, I, it sounded very sad. It, it sounded sad. It's 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And, I, and look, if... From looking at Bob Knight, it sounded sad. It, he, yes, he's well, in very bad. That's and what it, it looked like. That could be his final Jones. public appearance, yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, his his nose. He's got is dementia. All purple. Yeah, he's, he's got, got broken like one big broken mm. blood vessel as a nose yeah. right now. And you don't like Bob Knight? Dude. I could just care less about the guy. Yeah. Just well, he scum. was. I, well, I grew up, and you probably did, a Chad, in, in the day when he was the top coach, and whether you loved him or hate him, he was the number one guy, and you just had to deal with it. He stands for everything that's wrong with old weirdos that. One of the hundred percent, but but that happened. Like that yeah. generation happened for sure. Yeah. And, and, and we he's were part of it. Of yeah. them all doesn't mean I have to like it. No water breaks. 
But I agree. Get on the line. I agree with Rebound you also. Tyler Jones. Yeah, he stands for everything that's wrong. But with but it was it was general. Okay. It was the general Rick Robert Montgomery Knight. <laughs> you know who he's good friends with? Coach K. That's all you need to know about the man. <laughs> yeah, he was his they mentor. Were, and they were good friends for a while. Yeah, well, now they're best buds. Didn't he shoot somebody? Yeah, no, it, it was no, a hunting accident. That was Aaron yes. Hernandez. Yes. Uh, no, it was a hunting accident. Rebound. But supposedly, Jones. and I think Jeff Goodman did a podcast with Pat Knight asking, how did you talk dad into going there? And, and dad's whole thing was, is there going to be any assholes there today? Yeah, you. And he knew. <laughs> and and, and the, 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 the assumption was he was assuming Dan Dockage was who that uh, asshole was. Because Dan Dockage, who is today's kind of, you know, Bobby Knight clown. light version. Clown. Right. Them guys are sideways right now. Coverage. He's Bobby Knight without the winds. Yeah. Bingo. I bet, I, he's going to catch wind of this. He will hear this. It's Dan okay. Dockich. Hi, Dan. Yeah. I well, I didn't was. call him one. I just said that was the oh, story. No. He's, so he's a fan of the podcast. If you mention Dan Dockich, if you, any, in fan any of the way, podcast. shape, or form, he will find it and have a comment. Good so, for him. Yep. Shout yeah. out to Dan. That's Hi, strong. Dan. That's strong work. Dan, can you say this with us? Rebound Tyreek Jones. We, we, we reached the Maybe number. that way you can you have what, him as a guest. Out of all the bad bits we've done on the podcast, I can't believe we've been this committed to that one. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a very point. <laughs> Usually uh, they come and go quickly. I, I thought early about I'm not going to be able to, to hold up with yeah, this, I'm, but I, I decided to stay committed. I'm sure our listeners are thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> they probably count along the way. You guys did 28. Well, but here's the point. 18 rebounds is a lot of damn rebounds. He did it three games in a row. Off the flange. Thank you very much, Joe Sunder. Appreciate it much. All right, for Chad Pendle, Bearcat Journal, you can find his work there, Rick Boring, a Musketeer Report, and the NKU Radio Network, and our guy Brady Labor from the NKU Television Network. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition. We'll see you next week.